And we're back on this now no longer snowy Monday. I'm not going to number this particular episode, but this is another on this day, but a more lighthearted one because obviously I spoke of some very heavy stuff uh, earlier in episode 86. But on this day in 1987, a Gen X standard, Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top, opened in theaters. And it's a terrible movie. I mean, just as Cobra in its way is awful. I can admit it. I am the biggest fan of the movie Cobra of anyone you'll ever know. But the film is hugely flawed. It's a better movie than Over the Top. Having said that, I have seen Over the Top at least 15 times from beginning to end, and I absolutely adore it, even though it is terrible. It is cringe. But it is so much fun to see Stallone, as usual, rise to the occasion and beat the big bad. I mean, it might as well be fighting uh, Ivan Drago, right, at the end? I own you. The late Rick Zumwalt, what an amazing performance as Bull Hurley. So many classic lines of dialogue in that movie. I want to hurt him, cripple him, get him off the table. I should be able to blow them away real easy. What does what the one guy say? This is the fire plug. So over the top, now here's really crazy trivia. Over the top was directed by a fairly well-respected. I would say he had more talent than his career would suggest based on some of the, the shit movies that he put out. But an Israeli writer, producer, director uh, named Menachem Golan and his partner Yoram Globus. So here's the crazy trivia. Golan Globus and their company was called the Cannon Group. They put out two pretty big budget movies in 1987, one of which was over the top. The other was Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Everybody's pick for worst Superman movie ever. I don't care if you like Henry Cavill, he sucked, he's great. Uh, Christopher Reeve wasn't that good. Uh, anybody who says Christopher Reeve wasn't that good, fuck you. Superman 4 is the worst Superman movie. I don't love Superman Returns with Brendan Routh. I like him. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace is a lousy movie. Part of the reason it's lousy is because um, Golan Globus, well, they made a mistake. They paid the Salkins a shit ton of money for the rights at, I want to say, the 1985 Cannes Film Festival. They made a big deal. Um, they paid Stallone $10 million for Over the Top. They didn't have the unlimited amounts of money to sink into the budget for Superman 4. Now, I would argue that that film was sunk at the script stage, even though they got Gene Hackman back, and Gene, as always, just, he's amazing. Superman 4 is shit, but not because of Christopher Reeve, and sure as hell not because of Gene Hackman, who always brings it. And Reeve does the best he can, but the material's just not that good. The script wasn't that good. There had to be a better... Superman movie to be made. But you know what? For being honest, Superman 3 is not that great either. In spite of the fact that Reeve is, again, incredible as Superman, but the story is, eh. And the idea of bringing in Richard Pryor, I love Richard Pryor, and he has his moments, 
And Robert Vaughn, as a dastardly villain, is always entertaining. Superman 3 and 4 are just not that good. But Superman 4 in particular, they had, they had a reduced budget because Stallone got $10 million guaranteed in 1987. This is a lot of money now. Think about how much that was 37-plus years ago when we struck that deal. But it was Stallone's follow-up film to Cobra, a movie that, as I say, terrible movie, I absolutely loved. Yeah, I, it's super entertaining as I said, with Over the Top, which basically is Rocky, but in the world of arm wrestling, more or less. You know, it, it's the Stallone formula of the underdog who achieves. And there's nothing wrong with that. Tom Cruise did it. He made the same movie how many times? Top Gun, Cocktail, same movie. Days of Thunder, same movie. You could even argue The Firm, same movie. Even though that was based on a book, they still tailored it to Tom's strengths. This is not an accident. These things don't just occur in a vacuum. But the Stallone formula works from Rocky to Paradise Alley to a lesser extent to Victory, one of my favorites, the soccer movie, or as they like to call it across the pond, football. It's a freaking soccer game ruining my life. One of my favorite Stallone lines is freaking soccer game is ruining my life. Or even better, the best line from the movie Victory. Hey, you don't want to get shot as a spy, do you? want to get shot as anything. There you go. You, do you want to get shot as a spy? I don't want to get shot as anything. Asshole. But over the top, unlike other films from that period in Stallone's career. See, Cobra, I could argue it, it's not great. It's got a ton of flaws. Cobra was a box office hit. It was not the hit that was expected. It, like, it didn't trigger a franchise. And Sly had always wanted to do another Cobra. See, in the case of his buddy, Clint, Dirty Harry was a massive box office success. And it was one of the best films of 1971, which is a top five greatest movie year ever. A Clockwork Orange, French Connection, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Huge movies that year in 1971. Clute with Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda. Dirty Harry is as good as any of them. I would argue it was the best film of 71 next to A Clockwork Orange. To me, it runs rings around the French connection. Come at me, bro. But Cobra is like Dirty Harry, and Stallone wanted a franchise, and the reason why Dirty Harry ultimately became a franchise was the success of the first film. It was such a hit, Warner Brothers couldn't wait. Hey, let's find a script and let's make another movie. They were able to do it. So Cobra was a hit. Rambo, First Blood Part Two, screenplay written by James Cameron very young James Cameron. It was one of the, you know, he wrote it, I think, either as he was making the original Terminator, but it was in that, in that time frame. Um, George, George Pan Cosmatos was the director of Rambo, and then he did Cobra. And his direction in Cobra is fine. It's got a lot of great scenes. It's just a movie to scratch. The scene on the elevator, <laughs> I, I, I'm getting off of the, over the top, but the scene on the elevator in Cobra is one of my favorite scenes in any movie, where the um, the Night Slasher, the main guy, very memorable actor, Brian Thompson, he happens to be on an elevator with a, a, a nurse who works in the hospital, and the nurse is really laying into him. You men are supposed to take the service elevator. Next time, take the stairs. And he's got his knife. He's ready to he's ready to kill her on the elevator, and then the elevator doors open so she could give him another tongue lashing before getting off the elevator. Fucking classic. But over the top is the arm wrestling movie. And 
again, I have to give Stallone credit. He was trying something different within the friendly confines of the Rocky formula. He hadn't made a movie about his character as a father trying to connect with a son. And Robert Loggia, another great old actor. This was Loggia, the movie that Robert Loggia made, I believe, just before. Actually, no, he did The Believers. Very scary horror film. There's a horror recommendation for you, The Believers, with Martin Sheen. Um, very, very creepy. And Robert Loggia and a young Jimmy Smith. Uh, very, very good horror movie set in New York City. But Robert Loggia did big not long after, and you saw just how good that guy was. That Loggia was a massive talent. He's pretty much wasted and over the top. He's just a rich asshole. He's a rich asshole at the beginning, and he's a rich asshole at the end. And there's not much more, other than the fact that he has one moment in the film where he nods his head. Ooh, he nods his head. Well, that redeems him. He's fine. He's not so terrible. <laughs> oh, and for wrestling fans, Terry Funk, tough man Terry Funk, plays uh, Robert Loja's character, uh, Cutler. He plays his kind of right-hand man, chief of staff that were politics. He's good. Mr. Cutler is talking to you. The actor who played uh, Lincoln Hawk, another fantastic name that Stallone came up with, Lincoln Hawk. The actor who played uh, his son, he wasn't really given much to work with. The kid is like a prep school military cadet. He's just presented as a total rat. And um, when we talk in movies about thankless roles, Susan Blakely, very good actress. She was a star and had been a star in the 70s and into the 80s. You want to talk about a thankless role? Susan Blakely in the movie Over the Top, that is, that is the thankless role to end all thankless roles. I won't say anymore. The movie's not good. It follows Stallone as he's trying to connect with his son. His ex-wife, who is, as I say, played by Susan Blakely, wants them to connect, and they really don't have much of a relationship. But she wants them to spend some time together. And Stallone is a, he's a trucker who happens to be a fantastic arm wrestler. And for his size, he's a, a fucking monster arm wrestler because Sly was as, as slender as he would be. Like, he's not even as big as he had been in Rambo First Blood Part Two. He looks leaner and meaner in this movie. He doesn't look much more than 180. And he's going against guys that weigh 250, you know, in some cases, single-digit body fat. And he's fucking ripping their arms off the table. So you could say, well, that couldn't happen. But in the world of the movie, it's presented as believable. Because as we've seen, if you follow certain people on social media, arm wrestling is more than just sheer size. I follow a guy who goes by, um, his name is Ethan, but he goes by the arm wrestling whisperer. No, he's, the guy's got a good physique. You can tell he's jacked. But he's jacked within normal parameters. He looks like Stallone in this movie. But I've seen this guy, Ethan, take guys that were three times his size and just basically rip them off the table. And he does it in a nice way. He seems like a really, like a cool guy. He doesn't even really hang on much. And he gives his opponents encouragement. Like he would be going against Shaquille O'Neal and Shaq would be pulling, pulling, pulling. And this arm wrestling whisperer is like, That's it. Boom. Put him down. <laughs> but the story is your basic setup. Stallone tries to connect with his son. He's a whiny brat. But then the kid starts to warm to the dad. And there's strife with the father. Well, the father of Susan Blakely, Sly's character's father-in-law or ex-father-in-law. I don't remember if they're exactly divorced or whether Sly had simply left. It's, it's really not important to the story. But the film shows him 
as not a bad guy, made some mistakes as a much younger person, as a young father, absolutely made mistakes, but in his own way, he's somewhat successful, and he is not a bad person. He's somebody who maybe didn't do the right things at various points, and now is trying to, and, and he's not old. He's presented as a guy who's probably still in his 30s. Maybe he's 40. He has time. The, the son is still young. If he could just get along with the grandpa and his father-in-law, there would not be much drama, and then there wouldn't be a movie if he got along with the father-in-law. But the movie takes the form of a sports film where you have the big game, or in this case, the big event. You know, Chariots of Fire builds to the 1924 Paris Olympics, and a huge chunk of this film takes place at those Olympic Games, which, you know, history tells us were a fantastic Olympic Games. Uh, Rounders, another movie that I would consider a sports film, I mean, World Series of Poker is telecast on ESPN, which is what? Entertainment Sports Programming Network. Sports film, as far as I'm concerned, climaxes with a big poker match between Matt Damon's Mike McDermott and John Malkovich's Teddy KGB. Mr. Son of a Beach, let's play some cards. Not hungry? Motherfucker, that is it! This movie has the Robert Loggia version of Teddy KGB screaming, Motherfucker, that is it! Motherfucker! movie builds towards a showdown, like a Rocky film. It builds towards a showdown between the acknowledged best arm wrestler in the world, as I say, Rick Zumwalt, terrific performer, passed, wasn't very old when he died. Uh, Rick Zumwalt plays Bull Hurley, the best arm wrestler in the world, and we're led to believe he is way the best arm wrestler in the world, and he's at least three times the size of Stallone, you know, relatively speaking. We know that the movie is not going to end with Stallone not getting to face this guy. There's no misdirection here. There are movies like Chariots of Fire, without giving it away, because it's based on a true story, Chariots of Fire pulls off an unbelievable bit of misdirection. And it works so beautifully within the context of the story, because the misdirection is specifically related to a certain character's faith and belief. And that's the kind of misdirection you like. Not weird plot mechanics just for the sake of weird plot cats. But the story of Over the Top, the story of a father bonding with his son, it's a road film, it has all those kind of normal elements, and the movie climaxes in Vegas, is it the Las Vegas Hilton? I'm not sure which hotel. I don't think it's the MGM brand, but it's one of the, you know, the casino hotels of the day. And it, it ends with the arm wrestling championships, whatever alphabet soup, I don't know what the the alphabet, the letters are of what it is, or in the world of the movie, I don't know if they use the real, like real branding, that I don't remember. But it ends there. And basically, Stallone's character's back is against the wall because he's, he's done some kind of real shady shit during the movie to try to get the kid back and you know, some weird stuff. And uh, Robert Loggia keeps trying to get rid of him. He keeps trying to make it easy for him. He said, look, I don't want to fight you. We've had enough of this shit. Here's a lot of money. Just get the fuck out of my life, please. Hey, I'm coming back, good kid. This is over. I'm coming back. It was almost like, almost like in Rambo, the way that Sly delivers that line. Johnny, tell us where we are. Tell us where you are. We'll come get you. Murdoch. I'm 
get you. Same thing. This is over. So, it, the movie builds to this arm wrestling finals, and Sly has his moments, he has a few easy matches, and Bull Hurley, the villain, even though he's not really the villain, he's an arm wrestler. This guy isn't a serial killer. This is not the Night Slasher and his minions in the, the movie Cobra. This is a regular guy who is very intimidating. He's an arm wrestler. He's a villain in the world of this story. But in regular life, he's probably not that terrible of a guy. And anybody whose name is Bull Hurley, I mean, that's another great name. Stallone is so good at getting these names. Lincoln Hawk, Bull Hurley, Michael Cutler. That's the name of the, his son. His name is Hawk, meaning Stallone's character. So you see the, the typical sports movie tropes. And the, the way that arm wrestling is, you can't have you know, 10 minutes, like in a boxing movie where you have a, a long fight or it could be a few minutes here, a few minutes there, or 15 minutes. It, it's, not really the, it's not really the format for that. But Stallone's character goes through this, this kind of tournament. And even within the context of the tournament, Robert Loja, as the father-in-law, ex-father-in-law asshole, is still trying to get rid of him. Please, just go away. You know, at a Clint Eastwood movie, Heartbreak Ridge from a year before. Don't go away mad. Just go away. He does his version, Robert Loja version of don't go away mad, just go away. Here's $500,000, just take it, get the fuck out of here, please. We know that that's not where this movie is going because we've seen more than three films. We know what Stallone is trying to do here. In the realm of what are the goals of the movie, the movie is a success. As absurd as it is, as, if you'll pardon the expression, as over the top, the emotion, the kind of cheap tears, and, and the, there's a lot wrong with the film. But Sly is engaged, and Loja does the best he can with shitty material, and Terry Funk is a riot, as I said. You know, I love seeing wrestlers in movies of the decade. You know, they, they made Roddy Piper a movie star, John Carpenter's They Live. That's a movie that's going to get its own podcast episode. Put these glasses on or start eating that trash can. Another thing I wish that I could have said in real life. Put these glasses on or start eating that trash can. I remember the first time I said, what is that? Oh, he's going to beat the shit out of him unless he... Oh, there goes the fight scene. So needless to say, it would not be a Rocky movie or a movie following the Rocky formula if our underdog hero did not end up winning. Spoiler alert, he doesn't lose his son at the end. Nobody dies. Nobody pulls out a gun and starts shooting. It's not that kind of movie. It's an underdog makes good story. And Stallone's character, as he always does, finds a way. And I feel like the movie does get better as it goes along. It's not unpleasant. That There are certain moments in the first half where you're just like, okay, they, we could have done without this. This is like 10 minutes of gobbledygook here. But I, you feel the connection between Stallone and the actor. I believe his name is David Mendenhall. As I said, Kid was given almost nothing to work with. The role was a zero on the page, in my opinion. He gets better as the movie goes along. And once you're in Vegas, the focus really sharpens. And from the sports movie perspective, it's very well shot and edited. You know, Menachem Golan knew what he was doing. He knew how to stage. He knew how to work angles 
he knew where to put the camera. This was, as I said, not a guy who was not talented. He absolutely was. It's unfortunate he was responsible for some really shitty movies. So this, this movie was always going to be a one-off. I don't remember reading anything about Stallone talking about maybe doing a sequel, like he could take the show on the road and win the world you know, arm wrestling championship or anything like that. I feel like this was never intended to be a franchise. And there are movies that you don't necessarily think in terms of franchise when you're making it, and they end up being a franchise. And either way, it's fine. As long as people go to see it, and there have been franchises where the movies got progressively worse as they went along, and then there are franchises where that didn't happen. You know, the Nolan trilogy of Batman, many people consider The Dark Knight, the second one, big role for an actor I really like, Aaron Eckhart, as Harvey Dent, Two-Face. Keith Ledger, of course. Many people think the second is the best of the Nolan trilogy. I still prefer Batman Begins. But the idea is, in that case, they were, unless Batman Begins bombed, and they, the level of quality, what, what Nolan did there, there was no way it was going to bomb. Uh, it, the plan was that there were always going to be other Batman movies. Stallone wanted to do a, a follow-up to Cobra. It never happened. Now, he continued working. Stallone worked like the Dickens. He is somebody, and if you've seen him, and I watched a recent documentary on him on Netflix called Sly, it's good, it's not great. It doesn't go nearly as deep as the Arnold Schwarzenegger document, where Arnold was ready to do warts and all. Yes, I've achieved a lot, but I've also fucked up repeatedly. I'll take the heat. You know, Arnold did that very clearly, and it was always intended, the Arnold documentary, to be long, like miniseries length. Whereas Stallone, it's about half the running time, and it's presented as just one continuous movie. It's very good. But the idea is Stallone hates to sit still. He doesn't like idle time. It's one of the reasons why when COVID was going on, and you know, especially with him, with his age, and he was trying to stay healthy and keep everybody close to him, uh, you know, doing well, he went back into the editing room and he retooled Rocky IV. It's something he always had thought about, but my perception is he is so restless, he couldn't stand doing nothing as the movie business kind of shut down temporarily. So he went and edited Rocky IV, to his credit. I don't know that necessarily the uh, so-called Stallone cut, Rocky versus Drago, is it better? It's different. I don't know that it's better. They're both great. You know, those movies are, are I'm not going to say are bad. They're overblown and absurd and cartoony but very successful on their own terms. I like all the Rocky movies, even Rocky V. The reason why I think Rocky V now plays better than it did when it was released is kind of a disappointment, those three years after Over the Top for Perspective, is because it sets up that Rocky Balboa is not filthy rich. And I feel like that made the Rocky Balboa movie from 2006, and it made the Creed movies work better. That yes, Rocky is super highly respected by so many different people around the world. But he doesn't have $100 million in the bank. He's running a restaurant. He has money. He can make money from doing appearances if he so chooses. But he is not. He's not the Rocky that we got to see in Rocky Three and Rocky Four, who is living a very, very good life. Aside from the fact that his chosen profession has his head getting, you know, punched 300 times in a fight suffering brain damage at the hands of the Russian Ivan Drago. But specifically, the Stallone of the 80s, he worked so much. He tried a comedy with the movie Rhinestone with uh, Dolly Parton. Great idea, but it's not good. Did we really need Stallone to be a country singer? Again, he was almost like he was taken after his buddy, Clint, because Clint made the movie Honky Tonk Man, 
And it's okay, but I feel as if Sly thought, I like it, but I think we can do it better, didn't work out. Everybody will say, no, Honky Tonk Man is a better movie than Rhinestone. But Sly kept working. Uh, I think that his follow-up to um, Over the Top, he did Rambo 4, excuse me, not Rambo 4, Rambo 3, which was a very difficult production. And in 1989, he made, you know, to kind of close the decade before Sly tried to, you know, kind of reinvent himself as comic actor, which didn't really work. Uh, but he made two movies in 1989 that I, I thought both of them were very good, and but neither one really was that big of a hit at the box office. He did uh, Lock Up in 89 with a very, very strong Donald Sutherland in the role of a villain. He's a warden, like a, a corrupt warden on the order of Shawshank, but in a different, a different way corrupt. Sutherland is incredible in that film. He's worth the price of admission. You could say Lock Up, all right, it has its moments, you know, Sly. It, the movie is worth it just for Donald Sutherland. He plays a character named Drumgoole, another fantastic name, just to hear Stallone say, Drumgoole. Terrific. But it was not really a hit. And that was a movie that had expectation that this should be a hit. It's right in Stallone's wheelhouse. Didn't really set fire to the box office. And the other movie he made is another film I really like. And, and I don't say I like, but it's a terrible movie. No, Tango and Cash with Kurt Russell and Terry Hatcher, and Juliette Lewis's dad, Jeffrey Lewis, who also worked with Clint Eastwood. These things are not coincidences. We follow people we look up to. And Jeffrey Lewis was one of Clint Eastwood's favorite actors to work with. He worked with him in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He worked with him in the Any Which Way But Loose movies. And Stallone wanted him to play the, the police chief in Tanguin Cash, and he's, he's terrific. Jeffrey Lewis never was not terrific. He was just an actor that when you saw him on screen, you smiled. Hey, look who it is. I don't remember his name, but I like that guy. Jeffrey Lewis in a nutshell. I like that guy. So Tango and Cash had a hysterically funny Jack Palance. For the second time in the same year, he plays the villain in Batman. Well, the first villain. The one that Jack, when Jack gets fucked up, gets rid of him. Set me up over a woman. Woman! Jack, you're my Palance plays the same kind of crime boss that he played in Batman in Tango and Cash. If it's not Cash, it's Tango. If it's not Tango, it's Cash. He's hilarious. I feel like his performance, the kind of ridiculous cartoony aspect of what he does, it works just as well, even though Tango and Cash is a preposterous action film, Batman is a comic book movie, but both performances by Palance. Eves Perrette, that's the name of the character he plays in Tango and Cash, and I'll never forget the, the late, great Roger Ebert, my favorite film critic ever. In his review of Tango and Cash, he didn't like the movie. He said, no actor has ever looked less like an Eves Perrette than Jack Palance. But you know what? Jack Palance also played Fidel Castro in a movie. I would say that that was not really good casting. But... What are you going to do? That's all, that's all history. But Tango and Cash is, to me, a terrifically entertaining, exciting buddy film. And I love Kurt Russell's performance in that film. I feel like he outshines Stallone in that particular movie because they did something a little different because Russell, although he had kind of played a little bit of a, a you know, kind of a slob in uh, uh, 
big trouble in Little China. And overboard with, with Goldie, who he's still with. I just saw them on social media yesterday. Their dog was in a Budweiser commercial. It's hysterical. But Kurt Russell plays the kind of unvarnished cop. And Sly plays the guy wearing the Rolex and always dressing in a suit to do his job as police officer. And the swap of casting, the kind of surprise, really good. It works. And I would say Tango and Cash is one of the better action films of the decade. That could have been a franchise, but the movie just didn't. It didn't set fire to the box office. That's the way it goes. And Stallone, as we say, did feel the need to kind of reinvent himself, to do something different, to not take himself as seriously. Hence why he tried his hand at comedy with first Oscar and then, sadly, stop, or my mom will shoot. But this has been the over-the-top episode. On this day, 1987, Menachem Golan, Yoram Globus production by the Cannon Group. group. Sylvester Stallone as Link Hawk in Over the Top, the best arm wrestling movie you either have seen or will ever see. If you checked out the Over the Top episode on the YouTube channel and haven't done so already, please, Click like, subscribe, comment, turn on those notifications. Or if you're listening to this episode on the audio platforms, such as Spotify or iTunes, the same general rule applies. If you enjoy it, click like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. I'll be back with an actual real numbered episode very, very soon.